Hi, friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla. It is Pride Month, baby, and uh, am I posting this episode on the very last day of Pride Month? Yes, um, I'm queer, and we cannot be on time. You're lucky it came out this month at all. But I have to say happy Pride Month to all my LGBTQs out there. I celebrate you and myself every day. Love y'all. We've got another big queer episode today, and I do have a guest with me today, but before I get to that, here's my plugs, baby. You can find me on Instagram and everywhere else, at Screen Vomit, one word on all the things. I have gorgeous merch up that you can find at the links in the show notes. Um, I have a Patreon, which you can subscribe to to support the show. That really helps us, and uh, I've got some bonus episodes, bonus clips, including a clip that is locked and loaded from this episode that's going to be going on there. All right, that's it for me. So getting into the episode, um, my guest today is Jean Na. So Jean is a incredible photographer. I was lucky enough to catch an installation of Jean's in the Grand Rapids Art Museum earlier this year, which was so cool. Um, He's also recently cracking into filmmaking, doing um, music videos with his partner Jackson. We mentioned that Jackson had been on the podcast previously. He was on my Baby Teeth and Lamb episodes, if you want to check those out. And uh, you can also see Gene in one of my fave films, of course, Relaxer. Um, He has a cameo in that film, which we also talk about in the episode. So instead of talking about what we talk about, how about we get damn to it? Here is my episode with Gene Na. Right. It's more fun if I read it to people. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. It's Especially if you time. do a cool voice. <laughs> I, I don't think I can do a cool voice. I You felt, probably could. Mm, we, if, <laughs> you said you edit these heavily, right? <laughs> <laughs> you scared it'll come out crazy? I, I don't even know what kind of voice I would do. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm usually, I usually just talk in my boring, monotone voice. So. No. <laughs> You never do a goofy voice ever? Or try an accent or anything? I could try an English accent, but I don't think I'd be very good at it. <laughs> but it would be a fun. <laughs> it could be fun. I, I I will say that if it's bad, I would ask you. I, I would like to do two takes. <laughs> I would like to do takes. I'll do one. You, you need with, takes. Yeah, I need takes. One with me just talking regularly and then one with the attempted English. No, I, you know... <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do the English accent. You're sweating even thinking about it. I just think, I think it will be offensive to anybody who lives in the UK. So out of respect no, for, on. out of respect for people who actually live there and like, that's like the way that they speak. I don't think I'll do it. Well, it's not like they're like, I mean, they're still, they're just English people, you know? I guess, but I'm like looking at the name Sam and I'm like, I don't even know what that sounds like in the English accent. Like, I know that like. <laughs> Like, I just watched Ooh, the that's movie a good point. where they, like, say it, but it's just, like, I'm, like... Did they say his name, though? I mean, other characters do. Do they? Yeah. Because when I watched the movie, the whole time I was, like, I don't know what this guy's name is. I was taking <laughs> notes, and I called him Guy throughout my whole notes. Because I was, like, I don't know what his name is. But they say the other guy's name a lot. Yes. They do say um, Tusker's name a lot. I thought it was... Tusker. I, I know. I thought his name was um, Tucker at first. No, Tusker. But Even goofier. I know. I've never heard. What kind of name is that? I think it's fake. <laughs> it's got to be fake. Yeah. Tusker. Tusker Are you Mullins me with this? is like his name. And Sam. So like the most plain name you've ever heard. Plus 
the strangest name you've ever heard. Right. <laughs> and also, like, I feel like I feel like Colin Firth, the way that his character looked in the film, he looked like more of a Samuel to me than a Sam. But mm, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I was just Do you think like, that's just because he's British, though? <laughs> maybe. I just feel British like, people feel more like Samuel than right. Sam. They feel more like the full name coming out. They do feel like the full name. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, seems, it seems more English, like, yeah. to just say everything completely. I don't know. Like, they would be Thomas more than Tom. Right. Or, you know, like, right. any name that has, like, a shortened version. I feel like an, an English person would be the long one. Right. That would be my immediate <laughs> guess. But, you know. Yeah. I think about... <laughs> Other actors who are British named Tom, and I guess they just go by Tom. I guess. Doesn't seem right, though. <laughs> it should be Thomas. It should be Thomas. It should be Get Thomas. Get it right. Get it together. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas was probably taken. That's probably why they have to go by Tom legally for, like, SAG purposes. Mm, that's a good mm. point. I didn't even yeah. think about it from that angle. It's probably true. <laughs> Okay, so um, I guess we're in pod now, so... Okay, yes. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Normals will know Jean's partner, Jackson, who's been on the show twice. So great to have Jean on now. Yes. And this in our blessed month of our Lord, known as Pride Month. Legally, the only month we're allowed to talk about um, being queer or LGBTQ. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're allowed to so, say gay during this month. We're allowed to say it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a cuss. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. not a cuss that's going to get us arrested uh, most of the time during this month. It's also the time of year where every organization and company will send marketing ads our way. So Yeah, so we celebrate us. <laughs> yes. So most normals will know I'm, of course, bisexual, non-binary. So this is our time to shine. Jean, do you want to say how you identify? I identify as just as plain old gay boring uh, no, I, know, I know and um <laughs> i guess like cis male is probably mm-hmm. yeah hell PLC, yeah see yeah yeah you know very much like those are just my personal identifiers and that's kind of like what's always felt right to me but mm-hmm. you know even as somebody who's part of the lgbt community i feel like I need to be around people who are, like, not within the same, like, identifiers as me, just so I can understand more. Not within the same genre. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's like, I need to be around people who are bi, asexual, pan, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, lesbian, just so that I can see what their lived experiences are like. Hell yeah. To understand, like, everyone better. Because, like, you know... Even within communities, you have misunderstandings and miscommunications because people Absolutely. just don't know. People don't know like what shit you've been through in your life, right? Yeah. And you yeah. can't know unless you actually, you like tell somebody either. So it's all about communication. And especially like, I would say the group that we're going to talk about in this movie, but uh, white cis gay men kind yes. of stick stick to their own <laughs> much of the time and sort of forget the rest of us. So. Yeah, they're pretty clicky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, their battle is won, and we're left in the dust. So, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do think it is important to cross genre. <laughs> it is. It is important to cross genre. Genre of queer. Yes, uh-huh. it's important to cross genres. It's important to want to understand other genres of queer. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. and to lift each other up. Right. It's uh, not enough around. to just say that you know about it. Yeah, you have to want to know more. 
Hell yeah. So you're famously known as a celebrity photographer, (laughs) art photographer, but you had your film debut in a film that we did on the pod, Relaxer, Mm -hmm. where you played a queer character as well, Joao. Yes. Named after queer filmmakers, Joao Pedro Rodriguez and Mm -hmm. Joao Guerra de Mata, who made the queer film Ornithologist, which I also did on pod. So big queer circle. (laughs) Yes. But tell me about your time on Relaxer. I mean, you just have a small part but you also did photography for the movie as well right i did so i was originally brought on as like bts set photographer Mm -hmm. for relaxer but then was asked to audition for the role of joao asked to or forced to (laughs) both (laughs) yeah it was like i was told to come to set like Mm -hmm. it was a few days before we were going to start shooting yeah i was asked to come to set to just take some photos of like some pre-pro that people were working yeah. on and stuff like that. And then I show up and there's like literally nobody on set except for the producers, Jackson and Joel. And mm-hmm. I was just like, <laughs> am I just taking photos of you guys talking? And then they yeah. were just like, actually, there's like nothing really to take pictures of, but we wanted to know if you'd be interested in auditioning <laughs> for a role. And I was just like, uh... So they pranked you. Kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was pretty hesitant at first but then they like joel explained to me like how small of a role it was and i was just Mm -hmm. i mean if you really think that i would be a good fit for it then i'll give it a try it's not like what i'm setting out (laughs) to do in my life but um it was actually like a really amazing opportunity and i had so much fun Um, hell yeah it was like one of those things where do you even say anything in your Roll. I was trying to no. think. Do you have lines? Yeah. <laughs> you just show up kind of dirty and uh, heat up some pizza, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yep. yeah. I'd never done any kind of acting in any way. Mm-hmm. So to be able to work on a film from that perspective was nerve wracking, but I actually really liked it. And yeah. part of me was, yeah. And part of me was just like, wow, like if I had been more interested in acting or like theater as a child, then I could have seen like a different life path, I guess, because this mm-hmm. is really fun. And I do see yeah. why people become like, like why people might find like their passion or their soul in this. Mm-hmm. But at that point in my life, I was like, it's too late though. I've already committed to no. other things. <laughs> I've already committed to other things in my life that are going to take a bigger priority and. Plus, like, this is such a small role. You're still young. (laughs) I suppose, yeah. Plus, you hang out with filmmakers all day and are sort of becoming a filmmaker here lately with music videos. Yeah, like, slowly (laughs) through, like, some kind of osmosis process, I guess. Like, I'm just, like, absorbing it. Um, (laughs) No, but it's just, like, acting is, like, very, very fun. I think Mm -hmm. it was really only fun because I got to act with Josh Burge and David Mm -hmm. Desmolchin. Some of the coolest people to (laughs) have a first experience doing acting with, yeah. (laughs) So I'm also keeping that in mind in that like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. like it's only, it was only amazing because I was with them. Yeah. Yeah. Had I been with like other people who were like not as cool, then it would have been terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what is your relationship with movies now? So do you watch a lot of movies or what? Yeah. What's your journey with film? I think my journey with film, I'm still very much like a baby in that journey. Mm -hmm. Like still, I would still very much like a amateur like a novice beginning mm-hmm. stages um in my okay. opinion just because like i don't know that many movies like if mm-hmm. i'm being honest like i um i feel so awkward saying that on this podcast i'm just no, like, it's I'm okay. like I'm i like... have all kinds of people on so like sometimes i have musicians on or different kinds of people who 
I feel like most people have some sort of self-consciousness around their relationship with film, regardless of what their relationship is. And I think, you know, myself included, even (laughs) even though I watch a lot of movies, I, I still like I don't have an education on a lot of it. And I've mostly watched like more niche like weirdo art house stuff for Mm. my entire life so I missed out on a lot of like the normal stuff that everyone knows like (laughs) I I don't have any I couldn't tell you um like any Spielberg movies off the top of my head without looking it up like I don't I don't know like anything normal that (laughs) most people have seen so like even though I watch a lot of movies I still can't participate in like a lot of film conversation (laughs) right so I carve out a specific niche for myself with my podcast to force people to talk about specific movies with me (laughs) but no I mean I feel I very much much feel that in a lot of yeah. aspects um yeah. so you know my my boyfriend jackson as mm-hmm. people as the normies know him <laughs> normals they, it's normals different. not normies <laughs> sorry oh my god as the normals know him oops um, uh-huh. no, it's okay. that uh he is like a really big film buff mm-hmm. he is brilliant when it comes to like knowing about film and mm-hmm. um he loves talking about like film theory and stuff like yeah and stuff like that he he's like, he went to film school though, exactly too, right? like yeah. he can think really critically about film he went through the training for it yeah and i went through the training for photography that's what i went to school for So it's Mm -hmm. like, I can think like somewhat critically about art, but not in the same way. And so it's just like, I can sometimes participate in those kinds of conversations like that you're, you know, talking about like the film Mm -hmm. conversations, but especially art house conversations. But most often what the conversation goes like is it's a group of people talking about a film that Mm -hmm. I've never even heard of or that I can't recall. And then like um, someone in the group would be like, have you seen this movie? And I'll be like, no. And then everybody yeah. is just like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and, I'm, and then they're like, you gotta see it. And I'm just like, okay, I'll add that to this list that's now at like 200 plus movies, like yeah. that people have been <laughs> recommending to me. So yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I'm just like, if it comes up and it's like, it feels like appropriate to like watch the movie, then I'll watch it. I'm not like actively yeah. seeking out to like get through this checklist because I don't feel like that's like very enjoyable um in terms of like taking in cinema i think that it has to be kind of organic for it to actually have like a lasting impact on you yeah yeah so yeah it's just like it's it's like i make a mental note of it it's like okay you know that's a movie that's been recommended to me but i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. like seek it out unless i feel like it's necessary yeah i think everyone's relationship with film whatever it is is valid and that's what feels good to you then you know whatever (laughs) right i always get lost when i'm not good with names so like not only have i not seen like anybody's any of the big guys movies i don't i've not seen most of them (laughs) but then people will just start throwing out names and i'm gone i don't know where i'm lost in the conversation (laughs) i don't know names either i have to be like who is that like show me a picture of like the person i'll be like oh that person (laughs) and then i'm like oh yeah i have seen like other movies by like yeah with that actor or by this director and stuff like that yeah so yeah my relationship with movies is still very much in its early stages but jackson's got you watching some freaky stuff every now and again yes he does (laughs) and i love them for the most part hell yeah like i um (laughs) i really really love film Mm -hmm. i think it's completely different from photography yeah and i think that it has a lot of power like behind Mm -hmm. it it is kind of overwhelming in terms of like how challenging it is to make film 
versus mm-hmm. photography because it's yeah. like <laughs> they're yeah. they are so different and so it's just like that is definitely the most stressful part of like um watching and debating and like understanding film is just like the magnitude of how complicated some of these films can be yeah even the most simple ones how challenging they are to get done for sure that's like that's definitely been like the biggest thing that i've learned yeah so far and then working on set as well like like the amount of work that goes into production is Mm -hmm. um just unhealthy probably but (laughs) 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 but extremely rewarding when you get to the end yeah and to see like the final product that's really awesome that's kind of how it felt like on relaxer like circling back to that because that is like a it's a theme that everyone will be able to understand in this (laughs) and of course relaxer probably the number one most mentioned film on my podcast (laughs) right well, you keep inviting people who worked on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But I also just love the film. I think Relaxer was kind of like a turning point for me in my relationship with film. So it comes up a lot in those terms for me. Right. But also because I do have people from Relaxer on the pod. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, yeah, Relaxer rocks. But that's not the movie that we're talking about today. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, no I'm kidding. Um, okay. <laughs> so we are talking about the 2020 film supernova um so you picked this film off of my list what what drew you to this film had you heard of it before i had not heard of it before and Mm -hmm. the reason why i picked it was because i saw stanley tucci on the cover Mm -hmm. and i said "Ooh, let me look at that well (laughs) not exactly i was just like i was just like i like stanley tucci i've like all the other things that i've seen of like with him in it i was just like yeah he's like a very memorable actor yeah he always commits himself fully to all the characters Mm -hmm. that he plays and so i was just like with unfortunately with many lgbtq films and this is just in my personal experience they have Mm -hmm. a tendency to shift into the heavily melodramatic area Mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes that can be a little bit unbearable yeah and stanley tucci i knew like the general context of this film and i was Mm -hmm. just like okay it sounds like it could be pretty melodramatic but stanley tucci is in it so like, like <laughs> so ha- maybe he'll save it. Maybe he'll save it. <laughs> okay. um, I was just like, I might just like really like his character. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of like what I seek out a lot in films is like, like character development. Mm-hmm. I really, really love movies that have strong characters in them because, yeah. and like strong character arcs as well. I just think that that makes it so much more believable Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just really drawn to people i guess that makes sense why i'm a portrait photographer so (laughs) 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 so yeah as as such i'm drawn to characters and films and i was just like i'm familiar with stanley some of stanley tucci's like previous work so Mm -hmm. that's mostly why i chose hell yeah i don't even remember adding it to that list but i think i feel like i vaguely remember it being like big in i don't know the conversation uh at the time that it came out just because it was like the big gay movie of 2020 you know like um twice a year so we get uh one movie about gay men and one movie about gay women every year (laughs) they both become huge just because we only have one (laughs) so (laughs) no choice but to make it be huge yeah yeah and they're usually starring straight people um which this is no exception this is no exception unfortunately so you know we take the fucking little crumbs we can get i know we, we just eat them all up. Um, so this was the... But we deserve a sandwich. <laughs> 
Absolutely. We deserve a whole feast, but will yeah, we get it? You know, time meal. will tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I added this to my list at that point, but yeah, it did also seem like it was going to be another just like sad movie <laughs> about gay people. Yeah. So we never get to see Queer Joy. Um, so, yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, 2020 film Supernova starring Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Huge actors. Everybody got to know these guys. Um, right. Critic scores for this movie. We got 89 on Rotten Tomatoes and 77 with Google users. So actually way better than I thought. So <laughs> I mean, we're in the same boat. (laughs) (laughs) Way better than I thought. But it might be um, graded on a curve due to, as I said, one gay film coming out a year. And, you know, people have to click the thumbs up so that we get more. Or they won't allow us to have movies about gay people starring straight people. (laughs) Exactly. We can't can't lose. We can't lose the crumbs that we have. The little crumbs that we have. So um, Jean is going to read a plot yes. summary. So go off, Jean. I will. So this, as <laughs> Kayla said. Do a voice. Is, I, I, I don't think I can. <laughs> as I said earlier, like maybe two takes. <laughs> but um, Supernova, directed by Harry McQueen. Mm-hmm. Sam and Tusker are traveling across England in their old RV to visit friends, family, and places from their past. Since Tusker was diagnosed with dementia two years ago, their time together is the most important thing they have. So if you didn't get the melodramatic vibes off of that (laughs) um, synopsis, get ready to dive in. Yeah, no, it's, um, (laughs) it is really melodramatic. I mean, the topic is pretty heavy. So should we just like dive right into it? Yeah, let's get into it. I do think that Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci do a great job acting the characters. 100%. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it is definitely... They're great actors. They're award-winning actors. (laughs) Exactly. They they know what they're doing and they do a good job. And so I do think that it is the acting that carries the whole film. It's only saving grace. (laughs) Yeah. I do think the cinematography is really beautiful. Um, Like, I do think that, like... Is the cinematography beautiful or is the scenery beautiful? The scenery is beautiful. Yeah. The scenery is beautiful. Not to get like too far into it, but I do think that the scenery is doing a lot of work in this film. It's the English countryside. Like it's like literally like the dream of Mary Poppins. Like it's it's, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, Yeah. So many like beautiful vistas with like rolling clouds where you can see... Mm -hmm. Like, the shadows of these clouds going over hills of grass. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, like, I don't know. Like, it's beautiful. So, yeah, the scenery is gorgeous. But it is definitely the acting that carries the film. And like we said, two straight men, they are playing a gay couple in this film. Yes. I feel like, you know, their acting is good. But I still still felt like they both have straight energy. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't say that, like, there was not a single moment throughout the whole film for me personally where I felt like they really had like romantic chemistry yeah not at all and they are in real life good friends which I feel like possibly hurt kind of gets in the way on screen yeah yeah there was like one scene where they like I remember it was like a super intimate scene in the bedroom like at night and they were like Mm -hmm. trying to make out kind of yeah and I was just like this is like so like I, it, it just, feels like it, a crime it felt <laughs> something about it felt off like it wasn't yeah. like <laughs> you're like stop right. i don't want to see this <laughs> it was uncomfortable to watch it wasn't mm-hmm. like oh dang like this is like super hot like it's like, it's like yeah. no like this is like a little bit like unnerving 
It's cringe. Yeah. <laughs> it's cringe. It's a bit cringe. And the first time like, they kiss in this movie, too, they miss lips. Like, they don't hit the lips. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice. Oh, my God. So, yeah. The, the romance is just not there, unfortunately, between no. the two characters. And I wonder if they... So, I know that um, Stanley Tucci, like basically forced the director of this film to let Colin Firth be his co-star. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and he thought that having that friendship relationship would make it... Easier? Just, yeah, easier or more natural because they already like each other or something. But yeah, I wonder if it would have been different with somebody he didn't know. I wonder too. But I mean, ultimately, I think it's just like... Ultimately, cast queer people, stupid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cast queer people. Like, yeah. if you're gonna, if you want a gay couple in your film, cast a gay mm-hmm. couple. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't, oh. like, there are lots of queer actors out there who need the opportunity. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, the big names will definitely draw more attention. But at the same time, it's just like, you could save a little bit of money by casting people who are, like, not as big of a name and then direct that money a little bit more towards, like, marketing. You know, yeah. like there are mm-hmm. ways to balance this out. Yeah. Like, and ultimately, an does it help or hurt your movie just to have people in it because they are big names when exactly. they can't when they can't do the role? Exactly. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think it, it might be a bit more layered than that. But ultimately, um, you know, very much on the side of like you should cast queer actors, actresses, yeah. if that's what your story is about. I am so like beyond over casting straights as queer. Right. And I don't even think there are any queer people. Maybe there are queer people behind the camera somewhere, but I think the director is straight. I think, you know, all the leads are straight. Where is even the queer voice in this, you know? And I felt like it was lacking kind of yeah. in a way. I mean, I think Absolutely. It, it just kind of felt like a, um, and which, I mean, I guess this is kind of the point of the film. Rather mm-hmm. than telling a queer story, it was telling a story about dementia yeah. um, with the embellishment of a couple that was queer. Mm-hmm. The director said that he wanted their queerness to be sort of inconsequential, that he chose to make it about a same-sex couple to show that the disease does not discriminate. That was his quote. (laughs) Feels a bit markety. Here's what else he said. And also to challenge the notion that films about gay romances must have the fact that a couple is gay at their center. I get not wanting to, like, show discrimination or something specifically, like, but... Queerness is at our center. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I also don't feel like um, I don't. Feel it's like... not inconsequential to who we are. Exactly, and I also Sorry. don't feel like a straight director has any say in that conversation. Yes, like, <laughs> it's like it's like excuse me, like it's just like you yeah. don't go here. Like it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't even go here. Like it's like yeah. what, like what do you th- like? Why do you think you're allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You don't know. You yeah. don't know how we are. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very clear in the film. By the movie. I mean, yeah. you can tell like it just doesn't feel authentically queer in any way to no. me. No. And it's yeah. more I mean, like you said, it's more the story is more about the disease itself than it is yeah. about um the queer romance. So I think in that way it is the message is a bit manipulated. Yeah. To where it's just like I don't understand like why I mean, I, I get his reasoning as to, like, that the disease doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just, like, I don't think that, that that your voice really needs to be part of the queer romance conversation, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't really add anything to that conversation. 
Yeah, I agree. And it would be completely different if some if somebody who like a queer director or writer wanted to show that, you know, yeah, that is just like because they would have taken it from a or very if different... any of these actors were queer. Exactly. <laughs> like if anybody involved in the film was actually queer. Yeah. Um, sorry if there are people involved who are actually queer, but like anybody in like yeah. the central, you know, core making. If you worked the... on this film and you're queer, please let me know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we. I want... would love to know. <laughs> we want to talk to you. We need to yes. know more from your perspective. But ultimately, also sorry for this episode. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just like that's that's really what it is. Whereas it's like it would have been taken in a completely different different direction if had the queer voice been a little bit more present in mm-hmm. the film. Absolutely. And I think I would have felt a little bit more authentic. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get through the plot a little bit. I think there's really not a ton of plot <laughs> in this movie, so this might be quick. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I picked this movie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> I think that um, discussing films, whether or not we like them, and what we do or don't like about them is fun. So, yes. Um, Agreed. 100%. I don't care if I didn't like this movie or any movie that I do for my podcast. I think it's fun to talk about still and see what worked and what didn't. So this couple is doing a road trip and an RV. I was going to say I would kill for an RV like that. Like yes. That, that, that was a cool like production <laughs> element of this film was their was. RV was decked out. Like I was yeah. like, that is a sick RV. And it was really nice. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with RVs. <laughs> I thought they were so cool. I really wanted one so bad. I thought it was really cool. I loved, like, I just loved the color of, like, the inside and everything. Like, mm-hmm. like the curtains. I thought it was really cute. These are, like, two rich gays. Like <laughs> Yes. They are definitely upper middle Absolutely. class gays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stanley Tucci plays, like, a writer, and Colin Firth is a pianist. pianist or yeah. a composer or something like that. Something like that. He he definitely plays piano, though. His yeah. character does. Yeah. And they both make enough to where they own property in England. and In, like, beautiful English countryside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can just take off holiday time and mm-hmm. do this RV trip. They can go on holiday. Yes. On holiday. <laughs> um, it's very... Like, it's just, like, they um, they have a dog. Like, it's just, uh-huh. like, it, they are... Their dog, very scrappy looking, though. <laughs> Ruby's old. Not as well-kempt as the men. (laughs) No, no. Which I feel like is also, like, (laughs) anti-gay. Getting a dog? It's it's homophobic that they have an ugly dog. (laughs) I feel like like rich gay men would only have, like, a cute dog. (laughs) Purebred. (laughs) Purebred, like, poodle or something with, like, hair that needs maintained regularly you know like that dog has not (laughs) a shih tzu or something (laughs) that dog hasn't been to the groomer in a a few months and it's it's unfortunate um for sure bless the dog's heart sorry to roast the dog (laughs) no i mean Sorry, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but they, I hope the dog's not listening. <laughs> they 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 needed to take care of Ruby really bad. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just um, another way that a queer writer would have fixed this, <laughs> right? Yeah, they would have just been like, no, they would have been like, no, rich white gay couple would have a dog that looks like this. <laughs> <No. laughs> 
Yeah. It's probably one of their actual dog. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, but I don't know. it kind of feels like it might be. I don't know where that dog <laughs> came from. I don't know the history of this dog. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the casting process for the, for Ruby was. Oh, um, yeah. We don't know. <laughs> but What dog can lay down for most of this film? <laughs> You're in. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, they definitely, like, I guess the demographic of their characters are, they are wealthy, they are successful, they're artistic, mm-hmm. they're emotional, they, you know, it's like all of the boring tropes of being a rich white yeah. gay yeah. But even that, I feel like they're not very emotional, at least they're not sharing their emotions with each other. Like, all day long when we see them, they're mainly just bickering at each other they're not really being sweet they're not really saying like i'm afraid about what i'm going through or blah 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 none of that they're just bickering (laughs) kind of being angry which i feel like is a little bit of the old uh toxic masculinity (laughs) right that seems straight to me (laughs) i guess like i was focusing on the moments where they tried to like reach for intimacy with one another Mm -hmm. in terms of like that was like the levels where they got emotional. But you are mm. correct. For the most part, they are just badgering and bickering at one another. It's like most of their time together is bickering. And then when it gets to be nighttime, we see them do one like stilted cuddle with each other. <laughs> and true. then it's back to daytime and they're bickering. And that's like basically the whole relationship. That majority see, I was... of the relationship we see on screen. <laughs> that's true. I think I was being a little bit more like, see, I, here's my bias. I was just like, mm-hmm. I need to focus on the moments where the intimacy was like at least a Tempted. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what I felt like the story wanted to go for. But you had a more objective viewpoint where you were just like, no, 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 no. For most of the movie, they weren't intimate. <laughs> this is like another issue I have with why I specifically hate when straight guys are cast as queer is because they are always afraid to address the queerness. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but like they're always afraid to say the word gay they're always afraid to there never be a sex scene in one of those kind of movies even when they kiss it's like um it's like a no homo kiss like (laughs) it's not like passionate or romantic it's like how tight can i make my lips and how far can i get away from your lips and still call it a kiss like (laughs) i know i know it's like yeah. It's cringy. It is. It's cringe. Yeah, it's and cringe. like, I mean, sex is an important part of relationships and we'll, we'll never see it in this movie. <laughs> and and uh, most movies where another one that's like specifically coming to mind is that um, My Own Private Idaho. Oh. Have wow, you seen I've, that movie? A long time ago. I forgot about that one. Yeah. My Own Private Idaho also has two straight men cast as gay men. And that was like another issue I had with that movie, too, is like they never explicitly talk about being gay, say they're gay, like their characters are kind of implied gay (laughs) and they never like there's no physical intimacy at all. And then if all of that is true, then how do you say it's like in the queer canon? I feel like you don't. So, And it's like kind of frustrating because like when you, you know, you have movies like that where it's just like they kind of have like this like don't ask don't tell vibe to it Mm -hmm. which is like just annoying and then you have the on the on the polar opposite end you have like fire island where it's just Mm -hmm. like it's the movies that are just like flamingly gay yeah and it's just like they're so fun but at the same time both of these movies just don't give an accurate representation of the community in my opinion Mm -hmm. like yeah they only touch on like one is what people want them to be and the other one is like what sells 
you know, the idea the most. Like, what is, like, yeah. most marketable? It's, like, the fun, crazy, like, rainbows everywhere, fireworks, blah, blah, blah. And the other yeah. one is, like, this melodramatic, sad, semi-closeted couple that's, like, just trying to make it on their own. <laughs> and it's just, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, why are those the only two options that we have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I've said it on pod before, but I stand by that Greg Araki films are the most accurate depiction of queer community to me, and they're queer as hell without being like overly, like you said, like rainbows and like skinny fit gay men running around in short shorts and, right. <laughs> and also not not talking about it. So, And I think they have the most colorful representation of the community as well in terms of having different kinds of identities in there so watch greg Araki movies if you want good examples of good queer film okay so where are we in the film nowhere we haven't done anything yet <laughs> they're in an rv that's as far as yes. yeah they're 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 traveling <laughs> some to to their friend's house in the english countryside i feel like a lot of the scenes in this film are kind of long and kind of nothing and they're mostly just having like small talk or bickering. And then they just kind of cut randomly to a different scene. <laughs> I feel like that's where we get the majority of the scenes in this film. The editing was strange to me. Strange and random. It was long. Yeah. Long and editing. But even the film wasn't that long, though. It was only like an hour and 33 minutes. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But it felt much longer <laughs> to me. <laughs> the editing is really slow. The pace yeah. is very, very slow. And it's mostly just conversation. And like, and, yeah, it's most, mostly accomplishing nothing. Like most of what they're saying isn't all that. It's just bickering about a map or like having small talk at dinner or whatever. Right. So it's like, why are we here even? <laughs> like, what are we supposed to be taking from what we're seeing? Yeah. Like within the first half of the movie, you could stand up and go use the bathroom several times and not really miss a beat. Like, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's really only one, like seven seconds of important material at the beginning, the first half of the movie. And that's like it. And that would be like when they go to the convenience store and what's his head loses track of Stanley Tucci. Yeah, of Tusker. And that that moment, like, see, it needed more moments that were dramatic like that because I yeah. felt like, I mean, I don't know. Like, because I don't, um, my grandmother um, on my mom's side and my grandfather on my dad's side um, both had dementia, like, not early onset dementia, of course, like, which is what, specifically what this movie is talking about. But they had dementia, mm -hmm. like, in their later years, like, before they passed away mm -hmm. my great-grandma did too yeah and it, mm -hmm. and that it's um dementia is really horrifying what it can do to um a person um and mm -hmm. how it impacts the family but early onset is a different kind of story mm -hmm. and i wasn't really super close to my grandparents because they lived in south korea and i live here in the u.s yeah uh, so there was quite a bit of a distance there and so like my experience with dementia is very little but my opinion on like even though it may be represented well in the film, like dementia itself, I don't feel like it had as much drama as it could have mm -hmm. for the sake of making this movie more interesting and to keep the viewer's interest in the hand of the story. Yeah. Because like you said, it is mostly just like bickering conversations and beautiful, vast English countryside vistas. And he's lucid for, right. besides that, like 
nine seconds that he is lost down the road somewhere, the entire rest of the movie he's lucid. He never has another episode. That's it. So, like, the majority of this movie about dementia features a man who is not really having any symptoms of dementia. (laughs) It's all about, like, um, how he potentially might have symptoms and signs in the future. You know, we're, like, thinking of some idealized future that is not now, doesn't exist now. We're not seeing on screen. So, like, what are we supposed to be feeling? (laughs) Right. And it, like, it, like, hints at, like, how it could get worse, Mm -hmm. like, into the future of the story. Because this is, like, you know, at that dinner scene, he, like, Mm -hmm. can't read the uh, manuscript that he's prepared. Could he not read it, or was he just, like, being emotional about it? I couldn't tell. I think that he literally couldn't read it. Like, he couldn't, oh, really? like, like his I thought dementia. he was maybe just like, oh, this is going to make me too sad to read out loud. You do it, you know? That's kind of well, how I read it. No, I think he actually couldn't read it, because he was struggling to read the map as well at the beginning, mm. um, which oh, is why right. they ended up switching to the navigation system, because mm-hmm. he couldn't, like, he just couldn't focus on, or he couldn't, like, understand, like, what the information was in front of him. You're right. So it's just like, I knew that he was like, the dementia was like, he couldn't read it for that reason. And then he spilled the dinner like at that, um, in <laughs> mm-hmm. that one, you remember. Yeah. And then was that it? <laughs> and then at one point, um, Sam breaks into his like special stuff box yes. and finds his journal. Oh, and he can't. Where yeah. it was shown that he had been attempting to write, like, physically handwrite stuff and could not. It was just scribbles in his book. Right. So those couple moments are, yeah, I think the only moments we get of him showing any sign at all right. of having an, il- an illness. Yeah. In that moment, I did wonder, I was just like, does he not know how to type? I was like, can he not like, <laughs> can he not like type this novel? I mean, I guess like, I don't, I don't know like if like twenty twenty. Come on, give it the I, times, man. I was like, they have, I was like, they have a navigation system. I was yeah. like, they definitely have to, and they're like, you know, upper middle class white gay men. Like, it's just like, yeah. When it started and they were trying to use like a physical map, I was like, is this set in the eighties or like? I, I could not. <laughs> tell. What is the deal? Right, I could not tell what time frame that like the setting was in. Because um, people do not use physical maps at all, unless you are like a cartographer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I I couldn't physical tell you the maps. Last time. I was probably in middle school or something the last time we used a physical map. I don't even know. I don't even know. If I'm, <laughs> I, I think I, I might be a couple of years older than you. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know. If so I you would have been a, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I. I couldn't read a map. My mom would be reading the map, not me, (laughs) just to be clear. But yeah, it's like, do they even sell maps? I don't know. (laughs) Right. I don't even, I don't, I think you can buy like a world atlas or something like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just strange. Like there are some choices made within this film that um, kind of displace it and don't really allow it to either exist within a romance like kind of vibe or Mm -hmm. like in a um, drama kind of vibe. Like it's just like, kind of just slides back and forth in this like weird gray space yeah never leaning fully into one or the other yeah i read this interview i mean not interview this review on vanity fair that i thought had some really good points Mm. and one of the things that it said which is kind of what we're talking about and 
agree with that this movie's kind of fake deep. But it said like Supernova is a story about the end of life so determined to be taken gravely that it doesn't let anything actually live. And it's just abstractly tragic about a vague idea of something rather than anything or anyone specific. Yeah. Dementia is scary and sad. That's about as particular as Supernova gets. I thought that was pretty that, <laughs> like, that sums it up like yeah. really to the point. Um and that's yeah. <laughs> literally what it felt like the whole movie was I was just like is it just going to keep telling me that this is scary and sad? <laughs> like, yeah, that... <laughs> like literally. Because <laughs> we don't see him like nobody really suffers any consequence from this illness. We don't get to see the symptoms of it. We don't get to see any consequence of it. And we also don't even care about the couple because they're just some rich white cis gays <laughs> that like have no personality and no like attraction between them. And so we don't what do we care about here? The English countryside. We yeah. care about the beautiful vistas. That's what I cared about. Yeah. I was just like, oh man, like I would, <laughs> what I would give to live in a place like that. That's um, what I'm saying. Like the countryside and the locations are doing so much of the work in this movie. <laughs> they are. They are. I think that there are some moments acting wise where it's just like, it is like well delivered. But ultimately, I don't think the writing is super great. No. Um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, you said it was Vanity Fair. Mm hmm. Yeah, they put it really aptly, whereas it just, it never actually commits to anything, unfortunately. Yeah, there was also a scene when they're in the RV that Sam is cooking dinner and goes into the bathroom to have a little cry. And (laughs) I hated that scene. That scene bothered me so much. Yeah, but also you got to think like, if you go into the bath as okay, this couple allegedly in the movie has been together for like their whole life, like 30 something years, I think they say at some point. Yeah. And you go into the bathroom with your 30 something years partner and you close the door. That's suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> you don't be closing the door after that many right. times, that many years together. <laughs> and like the, the context of why he's going into the bathroom isn't even to use the bathroom. It's because his eyes were watering from chopping onions. And yeah. he like went into the bathroom because he <laughs> he needed to like <laughs> rinse his eyes of like this onion gas, but he yeah. shuts the door behind him, turns on the faucet and just cries like leaning yeah. over the sink. And I was just like, I was like, this is a dumb scene. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I hate the scene. Like, it's just like. <laughs> it's corny. It's, it's corny really as corny. hell. Mm-hmm. And I also, I just don't, I don't feel like, um, I think the major issue Another major mm-hmm. issue that I had, and I remember thinking this throughout the film, is like this is not realistic of how a like a true like queer couple would be interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like if they've been together for as long as like this movie is saying that they have, I feel like they would immediately jump into having conversations or communications about what they're feeling, what they think needs yeah. to be done, but mm-hmm. like the whole time. Um, and like you know they would they would be talking about this and even if they disagreed and they were screaming at each other and like yelling like that feels more real than the way that they're just kind of like midwest skirting around like these topics of like it's like oh you know we should keep doing this trip or like yeah maybe we should go back home like it's just like yeah (laughs) i was like you guys have been together for like 30 plus years like they would be saying everything they feel at that point Exactly. Yeah. And that's not yeah. just like, that's not just queer couples. That's like any couple. Like It's, it's just especially like, queer couples. Especially queer couples. Older straight like, couples don't be talking that much either. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I feel They're like... They're terrified of having feelings. Right. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like because of the trauma that like so many 
queer people go through for being queer at a young age. Like you, mm-hmm. you learn that in order to cope with it, you have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the case of like early onset dementia. I feel like, yeah, Stanley Tucci's character, like the vibe that I was kind of getting from his character was like, cause he made a couple jokes about his early onset dementia. Mm-hmm. Like it was in that scene where he, um, they just got to, I believe Sam's childhood home. Mm-hmm. Um, how like the yeah their house, uh, not their house, but like I I think see again I don't understand all these characters. I think that his chat like Sam's childhood home now his sister lives there. Yeah, I think that's who that that's, character yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And um, they had just gotten there, and Tusker is make making jokes with his sister because mm-hmm. um, she asks him like how he's doing and he i think he says i'm as fit as a fiddle what's your name again um, oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i was just like <laughs> i was like i feel like his character needed to be more sarcastic mm-hmm. personally i feel like he needed to be making more jokes yeah. about like things like where's that the because, humor right yeah. there wasn't that much humor like i think that was like maybe the one joke in the whole there's film. so much melodrama like even the whole like the soundtrack to the movie is all like these slow, somber piano tunes, which right. I guess because the one guy is like a pianist. Okay. But the whole thing like looks blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one track that they played during the film was House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. And that yeah. <laughs> that song is about like alcoholism and like <laughs> drug abuse. And I was just like what i was like why is this playing in the background right now everyone is always like a little too serious like they're just trying so hard to be deep (laughs) yes they have like a couple lines of like really over dramatic dialogue too or like they're just trying to say something really deep but it's kind of like one line and then we talk about something else i think they all come from tucci where one time he's like, oh, you're not supposed to mourn someone while they're alive. <laughs> and then you go, wow, my heart. Um, and then <laughs> there's another time where I think it's in the chat with him and the sister um, where she says something like, you're still you, the guy he fell in love with. And he's like, no, I'm not. I just look like him. <laughs> it's like, yes. There are so many drama queen. Like there's so many lines like that. There are so many melodramatic lines that um, just kind of pain me to listen to because (laughs) it's not balanced out with enough humor. Yeah. To like save it from falling into this melodramatic void, unfortunately. And I think like writing wise, they tried to be minimalistic was the goal, but like it's so minimalistic that there's no. There's no implication of, like, true connection. There's no implication of, like, deeper meaning of history of these characters. And the lack of romance. Yeah, Yeah, and the lack of romance between the characters also doesn't help that. Yeah. Like, it's like you can't feel the energy that would exist between a couple like that. Yeah. And the strained dialogue, Maybe even, like, even the choice to have the main setting of this film be that RV or spaces where they don't live together... I think also serves to erase their history together so that like we don't get a sense of their space that they have occupied together for all this time for Mm -hmm. most of the film. I think they do go there at the very end, but like... No, that's like another rental home at the end. Oh, is it? I don't... Like, it's just like... (laughs) Maybe so. I don't know what that house actually plays in the context of the movie <laughs> to be honest like all of a we sudden like they were just like they left the childhood home and then they're just like at a house i kind yeah. of figured it was just their house but you're right it could just be like another well it's like they were joint. greeted by like a realtor 
or like uh oh were they the lady with like the binder who was like waiting for them at the house oh now i don't remember <laughs> i don't know regardless I blacked out. <laughs> it's not their home like that's yeah. not their home like it's just like i was just like why so like even something as simple as that as simple as like showing us the place where they live together could have provided so much context to the history of their relationship and we never see that in this film right exactly yeah. I feel like like something that would have like dramatically changed the tone of the film was mm-hmm. if they were struggling artists. Like he was a struggling mm-hmm. writer, mm-hmm. and Colin first. We have no sympathy a... for rich gays, <laughs> right? And they, and he was a struggling composer or pianist. You know, like they're they're trying. <laughs> no, but their they best. imply that they're very successful. Exactly. Like he razzes them about like. Um, when they go to the restaurant, he like, uh, Tucci is like harassing the waitress, like, oh, do you want his autograph? He's exactly. a famous pianist or whatever. I saw um, you looking at him yeah. and stuff like that. I was just like, oh my God. And that's like kind of mean. Too. Yeah. Like Colin first character was just like a Sam guy. Yeah. Guy. Like, <laughs> Sam was just like, Sam was just like, why did you do that? And yeah. then, um, Tusker was just like, I don't know. It was kind of mean. 50% of me is just like, don't do this. And then the other 50% of me is like, do it. And then he was just like, well, why did you do it? And he was like, because of the other 50%. And I was like, that's a dumb line, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of change scenes and you're like, okay, what was right. that? Yeah. <laughs> I just think that like, you know, anything but the characters that they played, it would have added a little bit more layering. And, like, mm-hmm. if, like, these two struggling artists, if one of them had actually gotten diagnosed with early onset dementia, then that would have just made it more complicated. And I would have felt the struggle a bit more, I think. Yeah. There are a lot of ways, like, if you want to be minimalistic in your dialogue or in the writing to just show the struggle between the characters in a type of situation like this. And mm-hmm. they didn't do any of that. <laughs> No, they didn't. So not only did they minimalize or minimize whatever the writing and the dialogue, but they minimize everything else too. So the then struggle. you're just yeah. left with nothing. Right. Because <laughs> like, we have, yeah. Unfortunately, like with most queer relationships, it is like challenging to be in a, in a queer relationship. Like, yeah. it's just, like it's not it's not readily accepted. It's not the norm. There are mm-hmm. no, like, major um, examples of, like, how to carry a successful relationship, like, as mm-hmm. a queer couple. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of, like, a lot of, like, what makes um, queer, romance, queer, romance, queer romance successful in film is, like, the struggle to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, this doesn't talk about that at all. Like, it's not even about the romance. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, they don't even really care about that. Like, it's just, like, yeah. a subplot to the whole story. So, it's just, like, I, there are a lot of issues with it. yeah i mean like if you if you have a partner or like somebody you love even when you're just like in the same room and you walk up to each other you might like touch their arm or something there's not even any of that in this film like they are um safely three feet apart they're bros (laughs) anytime yeah Yeah. they're bros they don't feel like boyfriends no not at all even when they cuddle it's like these are just bros cuddling it's still kind of like awkward and stilted right <laughs> and then the one time where they do i think sam gets a little randy and like tries to take things a little further um sexually tucci's character pushes him off and says oh just hold me it's like 
You're so afraid. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oof. Okay. And they're having like a getaway, which is like the number one time to be fucking, right? <laughs> like, I think that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> getaway. <laughs> when you go on a getaway or you're on vacation with your partner, that's the number one time to be fucking. And we never see any kind of stuff like that from them. Yeah. To be fair, that was like the scene right after they had like their whole heated argument about Tusker's attempted suicide. Or like the the best that. time to be fucking. <laughs> I'm glad you're alive. We just fought. Let's fuck it out. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> like, it's just like, like, find the passion again. Yeah. In that moment, Sam discovers Tusker's, like, audio recording of, like, the letter that he was going to leave. He finds, like, a vial of poison. Which that is was so... Was it poison? I don't I know. I didn't know what it was. It was... It had... The, the label was written in Spanish, and I don't know Spanish. And I was just like... <laughs> I was just like, what did, I was like, did he get this like illegal drug from like Mexico? Like what, like what, what, how did he get this thing? Mm. Also, why is this guy's like writing box with his like suicide note and this like bottle of poison just left unlocked like all the time? Was it unlocked or did he, did Sam break into it? No, it was just like unlocked. He just like opened it. Maybe he just trusted, like, this is my special stuff box. I keep my personal things in this box. You don't touch it. And they had, like, an unspoken thing. It's I like guess. you keep your journal around the house and you just say, partner, don't read this. Right. You know? But sometimes they do. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. There were, there were no safety measures put in place and I, I, felt, I felt confused. Yeah, what... What happens is that Sam, yeah, breaks into Tucci's special stuff box, finds the diary where he had been scribbling inside of instead of writing, and then finds his suicide note, which is audio recorded on a tape. Mm -hmm. They had throughout the movie, we'd seen a couple times of them sitting down to do tape recordings of just like nothing (laughs) the whole movie is kind of nothing so like it's hard to say what's on the tapes it's like (laughs) it's like a like pseudo intro to a podcast like that's kind of like what (laughs) i think it's supposed to be like a memory box type thing but i don't know so they do this every once in a while so sam finds a recording of tucci basically being like i'm gonna kill myself nobody's making me do this i don't want to get worse so i'm doing this on my own yeah his reasoning is that he wants to be in control of his life he doesn't want to be a passenger yeah but again like we haven't really seen him be out of control of his life yet so it's like you might have a lot more time before you get to a point where you are not in control and right Right. now you're pretty much good so his like the moments where he seems to lose control are like really in the scope of like like how bad things could be they're fairly benign not to downplay mm-hmm. it, but it's just like he he gets lost is one one time. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he drops dinner plates and they shatter. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people choose to throw those things, so it's. Just I like, wasn't sure if he threw it or if he no, dropped it. he dropped yeah. it. I'm pretty sure he um, is losing his ability to write. It's like all of these things where it's just like it's just like early signs of yeah. like what could get worse, but like we never actually see how bad it could get. Yeah. And um, Stanley Tucci's character's reasoning is like he wants to end it before it could even get bad. And the way that Sam confronts him with this tape too is very aggressive and not like 
there was no like very macho or sweetness in him at all yeah it was very right. macho and aggressive tucci i think was like fucking around on the piano or something and sam's like we're gonna do a tape right now and he's kind of like uh i don't really feel like it. and he's like no get over here we're doing it now <laughs> like yeah. just very like you're like what is and happening then he, and then he like <laughs> brings in the tape player uh-huh. or recorder or whatever instead of like hitting record he hits play on uh-huh. the tape of Stanley Tucci's character's suicide recording. Pins, and then tackles Tucci. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. tackles Tucci's character as he's screaming <laughs> no down on the couch and yeah. forces him to listen to the first half of the tape. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, that would not happen um, no. between, I don't, I don't think that, well, one, it's just like, they have problems. Like, yeah. they, are not, they are not a healthy couple by any means. And if they're not a healthy couple, how have they lasted for 30-whatever years? Exactly. And- so it's just like, it's just like you don't pin someone down and force them to listen to a, a, a suicide recording that they... While like they're screaming and writhing underneath you. Yeah, yeah. like, that's so fucked up. Like, it's and just, like- just the entire way that he's approached it. I mean, he could have just been like, look... I found something and I want to talk about this. Yeah, why like, did he have to like aggressively attack him? With yeah, the, like with the material that he, um, that Stanley Tucci's character is already sensitive about, and like so much of I feel like this movie really does put the focus on Sam's character more than Tucci's character, even though Tucci is the one who is suffering with the illness, yeah, um, or Tusker or whatever. <laughs> Using Tusker and Tucci interchangeably. Well, um, I mean, Tusker's character doesn't change at all throughout yeah. the whole film it's like he's the same character from start to finish it's mm-hmm. like the character that goes through the most change is sam yeah but sam also had been like look i've decided i'm gonna be your caretaker it's gonna be great i'm doing like the whole thing is he's doing one last piano gig and then he's just gonna quit his job and be caretaker for tusker and he's like i love you so much i don't care about doing this it's because i love you and i want to take care of you but nothing about his character throughout the film is caring. Like, he's always aggressive and mm. kind of rude. And, and aloof. So, yeah, and yeah. not patient. Yeah. And <laughs> so, like, with all that being true, and, and not really considerate either, with all that being true, how did he ever expect to be a full-time caretaker? I don't know. Maybe that's what maybe that's what Tusker realizes. He's just like, oh shit! Like, I don't want you to be my caretaker. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather kill myself. <laughs> oh my god, so bad, so sad. Oh my god, there's a dark twist on the film. <laughs> Dang! I wish he would have said that out loud. <laughs> right? Maybe that's like the vibe that he's just trying to channel, but Sam's just not getting it. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) yeah so they they have that uncomfortable moment but that's really like one of the first kind of real conversations we get about how anybody's feeling about this between them and that's we're basically i think at this point we're like 15 minutes left in the movie or something so (laughs) yeah yeah it was it took a while to get to that point yeah honestly probably could have been cut down to a short which is usually the opposite all the time on short films i'll see people saying oh i I wish this was a feature but no this should have been a short (laughs) yeah if it needed to exist at all i mean which could argue I think, that it didn't. <laughs> I think um, it could use a remake. You think so? I think it could be I, a re- redo, a redo with like a, a, a queer cast 
and yeah. with a different background of yeah. like, characters. Like they need to, like we need to see more of like what they've been through to get mm-hmm. to this point so that yeah. the relationship means more to us as viewers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you said before, there's literally no history. Like we have no None. idea who they were before this. We just yeah. know that they are uh, well off and somewhere like just cruising around on a holiday in <laughs> the English countryside with their cute but like kind of dirty dog ruby (laughs) yeah Yeah, trying to figure out like how they're going to deal with uh this character's early onset dementia through like a lot of like aggressive like like conversational tactics aggressive macho conversations and and, um very little intimacy so and a lot of like hypothesizing or like eventually it might be that this happens in the future at some time (laughs) like nothing real happening currently yeah Yeah. ultimately it's just another one of those films where it's like if you were to remove all the melodrama from it i think it would be a better film maybe so i'm not sure that this movie has any way that it could have been saved but (laughs) i'm a little bit more hopeful than kayla Okay, so Tucci, you know, we had the discussion about him trying to kill himself. Sam asks if he can also kill himself. <laughs> like, this, okay, I need a clarification on that. Like at the yeah. end, I, I, I was just like, I was like, wait, are they doing like combined suicide? I wasn't sure what was happening. I felt at that like point. okay, so Tucci's plan was while Sam was away at his piano recital, he was going to kill himself quietly, not tell anyone, and then just leave the tape and peace out, which is so rude but that was his plan so sam asks if he can also kill himself but then next scene we see him playing piano alone so i kind of read that as he didn't kill himself that he just let tucci go because the whole plan was that he was going to do it while he was doing his piano recital so the fact that he made it to his piano recital and was doing it alone I don't, I don't know, but that's kind of what I read is that maybe he didn't kill, like Tucci killed himself, but Sam wasn't part of it. That's what I interpreted. But then I also yeah. wondered to myself, I was like, wait, is this like an abstract surreal sequence? Because like, I don't see an audience. Mm. I don't see an environment. Like, it's just like him playing this like very sad, but beautiful score yeah. or, or a song on the piano in like a completely empty black environment. I was yeah. like, is it like just like, is this like a metaphorical death? Or did that he actually be. make it that to a true. recital? Like, I was like, I didn't know what was happening. I was just so confused. Yeah. <laughs> it was left so open ended. Yeah, and it's kind of abrupt. Yeah, it's like a literal cut, like just from like that scene yeah. of like, can I kill myself too? This and then is just piano. my notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he can also kill himself, plays a little tune on the piano, roll creds. <laughs> yeah, like that's literally how it ends. I was just like, it was so funny because like that was like within like the, maybe the last five minutes of the film, right? Uh-huh. And at that point of watching it, Jackson comes and comes over and sits down next to me. Mm-hmm. And then the movie just ends. And yeah. I was just like, I was like, that was it. Like that was the whole movie. <laughs> And then over the credits, we have like stars, like starry sky stuff going on. And there was like kind of a micro theme of astrology throughout the movie. And I don't really know. Astrology? Or astronomy. Astronomy. I was just like, wait. I was like, I I missed that completely. I was like, what sign are they? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're not astrology gays. They're astronomy gays. There's a difference. (laughs) 
guys out there. Um, Astronomy. Stars and shit. (laughs) Um, But I don't really understand, like, what the deal was with that. It's, like, not enough to know, like... it. I got it. It was, like, um, in the beginning, the very first, like, opening scene or opening shot is, like, the night sky. And there's, like, that one, like, super bright star. That Uh is, like, the actual supernova. supernova. Yeah, Yeah. That is, like, the explosion of the supernova. And then I think the theme is that, like, we're all made up of stardust. And wow. that like we all hold so deep. We so all true. hold we all hold a light um uh, within us and we're all part of like the millions of different galaxies out there. Um mm-hmm. and ultimately we are all supernovas just waiting to run out of fuel. Wow. Okay, yes. Yeah, so that's what that's, I got. That's, that's what really I got deep. from it. <laughs> you got it. Nice. <laughs> You were over it at that point. You were I just was, like... <laughs> I, was, I was kind of over it just going into it <laughs> a little bit. And then uh, increasingly became more and more over it as the movie went on. Yeah. So yeah, that's real creds, baby. We're out of the film. Um, I guess I have a couple notes that I didn't mention. The actors, Tucci and Colin Firth, were originally cast in the opposite roles. So, so not only did Tucci like uh, force the director to cast Colin Firth, basically, but then he was cast as Tusker. And then they go, hey, also, what if we just switch roles, too? <laughs> and they were like, the director was kind of like not, he was kind of a little panicked about that, but they did some auditioning and um, decided that actually it did work better with them the way they ended up in the film. Oh, The director okay. also volunteered at Dementia Awards for research for two years before the movie, which I think is interesting specifically when we talk about how little dementia is portrayed at all in the film. <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it is like uh for early onset maybe it is more subtle but i also don't know yeah as, as somebody who doesn't i don't know anybody with mm-hmm. early onset dementia i read that the director had worked on a set maybe with someone who was like probably in their 30s or something that was like acting weird throughout their time on the set and then later it was found out that they had uh, early onset dementia and that's kind of what sparked their interest in the topic they didn't really i didn't read any specifics on like what weird means but um, i think their behavior on set caused some kind of alarms so he knew somebody that had early onset and then like had a friend who had like a relative that had early onset so knew maybe a couple people with it but i still think that like they weren't explicit about it like it, it, it didn't yeah. they didn't make a decision as to like this movie is going to address that mm-hmm. disease like explicitly yeah. or it's going to address like the romance. Yeah. You know, it wasn't again, it, it goes back to the Vanity Fair review where it wasn't clear as to what it was trying to achieve. Yeah. And if we don't ever believe their romantic relationship, then like I think what he's trying to show is the toll it can take on a romantic relationship, but if right they won't even say that they're gay then how do we (laughs) then what are we supposed to glean from like the toll it's taking the quote-unquote toll it's taking on their relationship i don't know and we also don't know the history of their relationship so we don't really know what's at risk either yeah true yeah Yeah. we don't know what we're going to be missing 
when one of them is gone. Right. There's no stakes. Like, it's just like... <laughs> they already aren't having sex. They already yeah. can't... <laughs> not kissing, really. Right. <laughs> so, we don't like, know what the stakes are here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one other thing. So this director has another movie called Hinterland, which also seems like... I didn't watch it, but based on description, seems like another movie that is... Uh, scenery is doing a lot of the work in. <laughs> it's another, like, camping road trip movie. But there's a character that crosses over between these two movies. Uh, Lori Campbell's character. The sister? I don't think it's the sister. I think it's just somebody at the party. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, she in this movie tells Tusker that she's fallen in love. And uh, she's referring to the character of Harvey in Hinterland. Oh. Who was played by the director of this um, movie. So. <laughs> his uh, Stanley Tucci's character is goddaughter. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the dinner table. I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was the only couple notes I had that we didn't address, I think. I wouldn't have known that. I didn't know yeah. that he had a whole nother movie. Yeah, so that's a wrap on the film. So we can score this out of five. So out of five, what do you think? Probably a two. Yeah. Do you want to say your reasons or are you just going to leave it at that? I mean, we just discussed <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I really don't think that it committed to anything unfortunately for me in my experience and i feel like if it was trying to be educational about what early onset dementia um looks like feels like is like to live Mm -hmm. through that also wasn't really made clear unfortunately through the couple that they chose because the couple didn't really have the romance levels the history the stakes that needed to be there for it to be effective unfortunately Mm -hmm. i you know basically agree i think i gave this one and a half out of five (laughs) i really think there are few redeeming qualities even one and a half might be because when i think like what am i giving it points for i really don't know what's like good or redeeming about this movie the locations the locations (laughs) the locations (laughs) the locations were pretty but the editing's weird the directing's weird the acting like I mean, these guys can act, but their characters are gay and the actors are not only not gay, but like clearly not gay, have no gay energy at all. No gay Um, energy. No gay energy at all. So in terms of a Pride Month movie, I'd skip this one. (laughs) Yeah, it feels, it very much feels like what straight people think gay people are like. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. miss, historically, all of the nuance and the joy of being gay or queer missing from the film. Yeah. When you let straight people tell our stories for us. This movie is not about being gay. No. Like, not not in any way. (laughs) I mean, besides having typed the letters G-A-Y into the description of the film, like, (laughs) that's about as gay as it ever gets. (laughs) Yeah. There's, like, there's literally nothing about this movie that is gay. (laughs) Except for the fact that it's about a gay couple. quote unquote gay couple yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think i gave this one and a half but i am thinking that might even be a stretch so that's where i'm at with the film can't say i recommend (laughs) yeah i don't think i would ever recommend this movie to anyone hell yeah (laughs) unfortunately i don't think i would watch it again either i think it was just one of those things where like i heard about it um i respected like the actors for mm-hmm. other roles that they've played. Yeah, not this, not these ones. Not these ones, no. <laughs> um, I don't think that they should ever play gay men. Um, no. Again, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Unless they... Apparently they have 
both in the past. Oh, really? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but I saw somebody said that online. That's not really helpful, but... (laughs) No, I just don't think that they should play a couple. They just really don't have any chemistry, unfortunately. And so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this movie. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for Screen Vomit. So in this part of the pod, we just talk about whatever else we've been watching lately, movies, Hmm. shows, whatever. So tell me what you've been watching. I haven't been watching too many movies. Well, I guess kind of. So Jackson and I recently went and saw Men. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but I know about it. Uh, Okay, then I won't talk about it because you haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Um, Did you like it or no? I've been hearing mixed kind of bad reviews. (laughs) I did not like it. Okay. Hell yeah. Personally. Yeah. I just don't think that it was for me. Again, it's just not a movie that I would recommend. And that's again, a man telling a woman's story, right? Yes. True. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Men again, reaching for um, (laughs) perspectives they um, don't know. (laughs) Uh Yep. It is another, yeah, it is another yeah, reach across the um, table kind of yeah. situation when you have your own plate. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I saw, so like the three last movies that I saw in the theater were Men, mm-hmm. North Men. Men themed. <laughs> yeah. And then Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. The Northmen and men, just, I'm going to push them off the table. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all You didn't like Northmen either. It was fine. It, it was I didn't like, like it. It was okay. It was yeah. cool. I mean, the, <laughs> the shots were cool. The scenery yeah. was cool. Um, I really love Anya Taylor-Joy a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, he's a good actor. Like, I give mm-hmm. him that. Like, he's great. But the story itself is like, okay, cool. That was like another awesome, like, fantasy kind of, like, story. Like, yeah. Like, it happened. Everything not going to stick with you, though. Right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That movie happened. Like, it, yeah. like, it, like, takes it you with it. It happened to you. Yeah. 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 It, it, that movie physically attacked me in, like, the best yeah. possible way ever. So, Hell yeah. most, like, that movie, very different story. So, most recent movie that I've seen that, like, changed my life is probably that one. And then, mm-hmm. show-wise, like, I've been watching Atlanta mm-hmm. um, on Hulu amazing i love yeah i've never seen it but i know about it it's so good (laughs) i know i need to watch it (laughs) it's so good yeah oh my goodness donald glover amazing he's a brill he's a genius like literally a genius man hell yeah hiro mirai who he writes directs with all the time Mm -hmm. for the series they are an excellent couple hell yeah like collaborative couple and then barry as well is a show Mm -hmm. that i've been Mm -hmm. watching on did that just have a new season coming it is yeah okay i haven't seen the latest season but i've seen the other ones so i have watched some berry <laughs> nice and then yeah. this is a kind of not an outlier for me but outlier in general from everything else that we've talked about um i've been watching neon genesis evangelion with okay. jackson the, the anime <laughs> uh-huh. <Hell> yeah. <laughs> and um i've been loving it so is this uh, which one of you convinced the other to watch this? Was this a you thing or a Jackson thing? This was a me thing. I, oh, okay. um, like, anime is very much a big part of my life. Like, I've yeah. grown up watching anime since I was, like, a child. Mm, um, okay. Starting with Pokemon, you know? Yeah. Just, like, and then Cartoon Network, where all the anime shows, like, came mm-hmm. in. So it's, animation has been, like, foundational in my upbringing, pretty much. Oh, yeah. That's tight. So I always am watching a anime series. 
at yeah. um, any given moment. Sick. Yeah. Right now it's Neon Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really watched any anime. Not really. But maybe, That's okay. Maybe an episode or two of something here or there when somebody else was watching it. <laughs> I, yeah, I love anime. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just part of, part of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Is that all for you? I think so. That's everything that I've been watching. Recently. Okay, I've got a couple. So I did a little bit of a theme with the theme of this movie, uh, where I've watched a couple movies that also are like about older couples where one of them gets ill, and uh, they have to deal with it. So I watched this movie Amor, which is a Michael Haneke film, um, where a woman has a stroke and her husband has to caretake for her. And that was just so good so gorgeous is it a french film yes it is french it's on criterion gorgeous cried my eyes out really really good if you want to see movies about dementia or about one half of a couple getting ill Mm. (laughs) that are really good i watched two of them this week so i highly recommend these instead of the movie that we did for this podcast so amore is one of them vortex is the other one um, that's a Gaspar Noé film. It was the first Gaspar Noé I've ever seen. And that is another one about dementia, um, where the woman and the couple has dementia and, you know, they have to figure out what to do with it. That was also really good. Parts of it are a little slow, but I think the acting and the sets in that film are just, you've never seen anything like them. They're so good. So both of those movies are super good on the same topic. This is not um, another movie that I wanted to recommend. I haven't yeah. seen this Um, anytime recently but I watched it a long time ago is not Mm -hmm. necessarily about dementia but it Mm -hmm. is about like losing half of one couple Mm -hmm. and then trying to make sense of that is a movie called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Oh I saw that when it was in theaters a long time I maybe read the book too. Yeah it's a French film again 2007 but yeah that movie visually stunning emotionally wrecking as well. Yeah (laughs) I don't really remember much about it. Yeah I definitely read the book and I worked at the movies when that came out so I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters too Mm -hmm. but I don't remember anything about either one book or movie. (laughs) Uh, character um, Bobby mm-hmm. suffers a stroke and then essentially loses all physical ability, but is still mm-hmm. mentally intact. It's called locked-in syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the story is about trying to understand and cope with that. Hell yeah, I'll have to add that to my list to watch soon. I have, I've made a list of films that are on the same vibe to watch this week, so I'll add that to my list. I'm having a demented topic <laughs> week, I guess. <laughs> Literally demented. Dementia. Yeah. Okay, I've got a couple other ones. I watched this movie, The Firm, which is an Alan Clark movie from 1989, starring Gary Oldman. It's about, it's kind of about like two rival soccer teams, but soccer is so far like down the plot, it barely even matters. (laughs) Um, But it's like an hour long and it's crazy, like fucked up violence, like Alan Clark is known for. Hopeless, bleak violent movie but it rocked it was gorgeous (laughs) that's called the firm i've been on a ruben ostland kick as well swedish filmmaker that i really love i watched his film involuntary uh, which is like a bunch of little vignettes of stories that are told over the whole movie intertwining with each other it's all like people making 
one decision in a moment of an incident that leads to like a larger spiral of incidents coming down. So it's really, really cool. The camera work is really, really insane and interesting in it. The way they frame shots is really cool. There's like one whole segment that's just filmed like in the reflection of a car door or like one whole segment that's filmed like in the pass through of a bus. So like some of the shots are just really crazy. Wow. I really love that film. I love Ruben Ostlund, one of my favorite filmmakers. So involuntary, that one's called. Okay, I got two more. I watched Heaven is Still Far Away, which is a short film made by the same person who did Drive My Car. And I had somebody on a previous episode, Clay Tatum, recommended this to me that it was an inspiration for his film Civil Dead. So very hard to get a hold of short film. It's like 30 minutes long, but it was really good. It's about a guy who's able to talk to a girl who was murdered when she was young and gets asked to do an interview by her alive sister. This is a um, foreign film? Yes. Yeah. Heaven is still far away. Mm-hmm. So it's Japanese. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. But it's really, it's interesting. How are you able to find it? I would have to send it to you if you want to okay. watch it, but I, can, but I can send it to you. I do want to see it. Yeah, yes. I can send I it to you for to sure. I harassed people who had reviewed it on Letterboxd until somebody sent me a dodgy link from New Zealand to direct download the film. And that is how I found it. Okay. Because it is not streaming. It's not. Sometimes you can find like private Vimeo links and stuff. Right. Of like stuff that's harder to get a hold of. But um, nope, none of that. Mad mad respect for you taking one for the team. (laughs) (laughs) I will find something if I want to find it. (laughs) But it's cool yeah (laughs) and i think i thought did you see drive my car no i didn't okay so it's like in my this is my opinion but i think it's like fine but it is so long and so draggy i feel like you could have cut like a whole hour and a half drive my car yeah that was like my reason for like have not seeing it yet because it's quite a commitment it's a long movie so long (laughs) and it feels long and yeah, like I said, you could cut a whole hour and a half out of it and still be fine. Um, <laughs> so this was like a 38-minute short film, which is long for a short film as well. But I feel nice. like it was the right amount of this director. <laughs> like, nice. I felt good about it. it. It was the good amount. So heaven is so far away. I guess if anybody listening wants to see it too, send me an email, screenvomitpod at gmail.com, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay, and then last one. Sorry, I'm saying a lot, but... Um, no, it's okay. So I had heard a lot about this movie, Irma Vep. Um, I've been hearing Irma about Vep. it all the time. Yeah, it's like from mm. like the year 2000 about a film set. But I watched it and I didn't really like it, but I saw somebody review it saying that it was a day-for-night-ass wannabe movie. <laughs> Um, and so Day for Night is another movie from 1973 that I ended up watching because they were saying that Irma Vep ripped it off. It's a Francois Truffaut movie who a lot of people know for doing the movie 400 Blows. And it's just like a whole film about like the chaos of a movie set, just them trying to film a movie with like all kinds of crazy shit happening constantly. Wow. It was really, really good. So I recommend Day Wait, for Irma Night. Irma Vep? Or, or no, okay. Day for Night. Don't watch Irma Vep. It is a day for night ripoff. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Pal of the Pod, Tynan DeLong, who letterbox review led me to day for night. So <laughs> yeah, watch day for night. Skip Irma Vep. I didn't really like Irma Vep. Sorry. Plugs. Plugs. 
Dean, what you got to plug? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at H-W-A-J-E-E-N-N-A. That's just my full name. You can also find me at my website, which is just www.jeanna.com. And um, you can also find me on Jackson's Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but those would be my two main ones, probably. And in the film, Relaxer. You can also find me at the end of the film of Relaxer. (laughs) Um, Very, very, very short cameo of me looking very dirty, almost blowing up the whole set. I don't know if you know that story or not. No, I don't. Well, you got to oh. tell it now. <laughs> okay, yeah. So when they were telling me, like, so I heat up that piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, with like a blowtorch. With a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was doing the audition, they just told me that I would have like a heat source. They didn't mm-hmm. tell me like what it would look like or anything. Yeah. Um. So on the day where we were shooting my scene, like they were just like, okay, here's a here's a torch, like, do you know how to use it? And I was like, yeah, you just like turn it and like light it, right? And they were like, yeah, and you just like quickly showed it to me. And I was like, okay, cool. And I, uh, we go to do like the first take and I um, turn the torch on to let the mm-hmm. gas out and I try to light it, but the lighter isn't going. And so like I had to like do it a couple times, but by mm-hmm. the time I got it to light, there was so much gas already. <laughs> and it was like a literal like fireball, like just erupted <laughs> in the middle of the set. And I, everybody was just like, whoa, and I just like turned it off like really quickly. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, is every, I was like, is everybody okay? I was like, oh my God, I did not think that was going to happen. Oh um, my gosh. So yeah. Um, but you didn't burn off like your eyebrows or anything. No, everyone was fine. It was so okay. Lucky. Yeah. The, uh, the pizza pizza was okay. It didn't get burnt. But yeah, they were just like, after that, it was just like, just turn it a little bit. You don't need to turn it like all the way open. I was like, yeah, I got it. It's oh okay. Oh my gosh, that's um, really funny. Yeah, so that was like during a rehearsal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd already landed the role at that time. Yeah. <laughs> so there was I, no I, going back. I didn't know, like, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to be having to use a torch to heat this up. I thought it was just going to be like, like a hairdryer or something. I don't know. <laughs> That could have been sick. <laughs> hair I guess drying it, a pizza. There's, there's no electricity, so I guess a hair dryer wouldn't have worked. But it's yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> a lighter, yeah. maybe. <laughs> a lighter, yeah. Something. Yeah. I just I just didn't know. So, so yeah. watch Relaxer. <laughs> yeah, you can see me in Relaxer at the very end. Um, oh, I yeah. Play, I play Joao. The story is I'm Cam's boyfriend in the story. Hell yeah. So... <laughs> Well, that's it for the pod, really. So, you know, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is Hell super yeah. fun. And uh, we'll see everybody else next time. Bye. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah.